Episode 21 The Fall In Comes Sin Part 1 Hello and welcome to CFD. Welcome all you who are seeking to know God as well as those aiming to find out what it means to be a Christian. I also want everyone uh, I also want to welcome those of every other kind of faith than that of Christians, including those who are pagans and worship many gods. I want to welcome those with no religious backgrounds, the curious ones, and even the ones who worship gods of the dark side. You are all precious in the eyes of the Lord God, the one creator of all, and the one whose image we all bear. I am glad that you found us on this journey and I look forward to receiving revelations about every fundamental aspect of life along with how to interpret the scriptures with the help of God's Holy Spirit, of course. It is by divine intervention, I am convinced, that you are now here listening or reading this narrative of our lives as it was written by those inspired by God thousands of years ago. Please relax, open your heart for truth to set you free, and know that you are precious in every sense of that word, are priceless, and your worth is given to you by God himself. No matter what wrongs you have ever done in your life, or will ever do for that matter, know that as a loving father always has open arms for their wayward sons and daughters, so is God's agape love towards his creation. Accept this truth along with what is written in the scriptures and we will get started, shall we? It is now evident that we have reached a critical point in our entire world's history. Starting from the beginning and while reserving our judgments against what is written, we were able to follow through with the story of creation from our universe's inception. Science tells us a lot of things and it continues to shed light on the inner workings of our laws of nature as they were set into motion thousands of years ago. Please note my deliberate use of the word thousands instead of billions and tens of billions. I also want to emphasize that my source of truth is the Holy Bible as it is written because after careful study and research, I have concluded that not only is the Bible historically sound, but it is also scientifically verifiable. And for the skeptics not believing this truth, I dare you to go do your own thorough research as you study the scriptures. And I am convinced that if you remain diligent and objective in your inquiry, you will come to the same conclusion that many billions of the years concluded. I pray that God himself blesses your journey towards this truth as it is written. Before a single piece of matter existed, as well as space-time, in the beginning and infinitely past before the beginning, the self-sustaining, all-powerful, all-wise, everlasting creator God was present. How can our finite, mere mortal and frail minds contextualize that? Could the process of understanding the mind of God be compared to an automobile 
contemplating its maker? I think there is an incredible amount of mystery involved in the knowledge of God and only He can explain to us about Himself. How can the Almighty God describe His divine nature to His creation? Well, for one, He left us a set of books that speak of Him quite in depth, has left a complex and beautiful world, and has given us the ability to know and understand it, thus revealing Himself to us. In the short amount of time we find ourselves here on earth, as we go through the business of living while toiling with all that life throws our way, many have decided not to give thought to God or to life after death. Life can be scary, and our world can be very cruel. At every turn, we see death, decay, and destruction, and to many, it is hard to imagine anything good out there. There were many times while living in Africa that I would look up at the sky as yet another jumbo jet roamed past by and wonder where those passengers were coming from or heading towards. In the neighborhood where I grew up and where seven different families had one shower and a toilet and one tub for water provided for all our needs, I could not, in my wildest dreams, even imagine a country such as Canada. In my household, where my parents saved for years in order to purchase a black and white family TV, my only imagination was what I could conjure up on my own mind and maybe with a little help from those I grew up with. Having no money for decent shoes and sometimes even food, my parents had to prioritize where their income was spent and it was certainly not on toys. So what did I and those around my age start doing? We started creating our own toys, games, and even soccer balls. Our imaginations would not allow us to dream of clouds and so we dreamt of toy vehicles that we used locally sourced materials to create. For example, we watched on TV on such shows as William Tell or Ramayan, we created our own bows and arrows and slingshots and crossbows and then went on to use banana trees for target practice as our arrows, engineered just right and with the right point, could shoot through the distance and onto a nearby banana tree just to get stuck. Only the super rich had vehicles, we would tell ourselves, and then not even dream of owning some ourselves. Those dreams were simply unachievable. I recently returned to the very house I grew up in in order to introduce my, child, my childhood to my beloved wife, born and raised Canadian. I was moved to tears as I walked the paths I ran as a child observed the swing that nearly killed me as I played with it, noticed how unkempt and even more dilapidated the rows of single-bedroom attached homes appeared and how much poverty surrounded my little village where I made so many memories in my childhood. I observed a young child of maybe 11 or 12, around the age I was transitioning into a man, walk by bare feet, tattered clothes, and 
with a homemade toy. I could not help but see myself in this little body and within his sad eyes. Where were his parents? Did they have enough money for their basic needs? What will become of this young child? It is hard to walk through the memories of your childhood, especially when you know poverty and not face the uh, sorry and not feel the injustice of this world deep within. Did this child do anything to merit the life he now had to live? Some people believe that we are born into this earth and through successive reincarnation, we have multiple lifetimes to which we continue to come back to earth. There are even those who believe that people can come back as animals and that some of the animals we now see in our world were indeed humans in their past lives. By ascribing reincarnation, we aim to reject the notion that we will all pass away from this earth, never to return, for example, in an incarnate way. Furthermore, inherently, we would be saying that it is the child's fault, along with so many other children suffering in our world today. In the thought of reincarnation, the thought of the sting of death is thwarted by simply believing that we would be coming back. To all those suffering unjustly now, justice seems to evade them forever. And the promise of reincarnation is no solace whatsoever. In my African mind, I could not picture a world as beautiful as Canada or Switzerland, not in my wildest dreams or imaginations. Some may say this is due to my upbringing, or maybe some may suggest that I simply was unlearned or not with a vivid enough imagination, and maybe they would all be correct in their analysis. What would remain fact is that these beautiful places do exist, and I simply did not know about them. I had watched beautiful homes and neighborhoods on TV on such shows as The Bold and The Beautiful, and I would even visit some relatively well-off family friends living in the big city with Mercedes-Benz and Volvos neatly parked in their detached garages of a mansion of an estate, but this was never for me. I could not imagine owning a vehicle and such extravagant homes. My mind was mostly consumed with playing games, creating toys, and staying out of trouble. Maybe this is the thought some have regarding a heavenly home, as in it is beyond our imagination to picture such a place. If this is the case, then the thought of understanding God, as it is written, appear impossible. If you were to add misinterpretation of scriptures, either knowingly or unknowingly, then what you are left with is a definition of some regarding who God is, and some are very erroneous and false. The belief in God may even appear absurd to some, while others simply come to the conclusion that there may be a higher power out there, but it is impossible to know prove or show either way. 
Maybe it's through my poverty and lack of material wealth and resources that then led me to have faith in God. And so I thank God for that poverty as I acknowledge that there is nothing more important in this world than knowing our maker God as it is written. Whatever you are, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, may the Almighty God himself reveal himself so you may believe in him. I am convinced that to know him in this divine is his divine will, sorry. Are you willing to seek him out? If you're familiar with the biblical narrative, then you may be anticipating what comes next. And if not, I'm sure the title gives it away. We're about to embark on the part of our journey where the rubber meets the road, per se. Before us is the formula, or more precisely, theory of everything as it is written. From this point on, our story takes on a very dark route, but not to worry, spoiler alert, there is a happy ending. As the human history saga unfolds, as mentioned previously, Please allow your heart to direct you as truth is being revealed and you will find that every aspect of your character and life will be revealed through the stories of those in the Bible. It is like God picked a sample population in order to express and explain all angles of our lives. This is an acceptable sample as we will come to find out and even has many lines of work in order to give context to the day. May Holy Spirit lead us to all truths as it is written. Now, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the creatures the Lord had made. Really? He asked the woman. Did God really say you must not eat any of the fruit in the garden? I am about to share a story that will sound unbelievable and as a matter of fact, if it hadn't happened to me and those around me, I also would have dismissed it as my own imagination or at the very least a mere coincidence. It was my very first year working at Camp Rainbow or Camp Madawaska as it was also known. I had previously fallen in love with wilderness camping for children and youth, and so soon after arriving to Canada, I was introduced to the Salvation Army's camping department, where after a winter weekend retreat, I was convinced that I had finally received my calling and promptly enrolled at their Leadership Development Program, LDP. I did not care that they paid us pennies for our hard work helping with kitchen duties such as food preparation and dishwashing, sweeping and mopping every building in the camp's vicinity, which included scrubbing all bathrooms and garbage runs, while also working in our groups to ensure that the campgrounds were always in pristine condition. I was only glad to have such a meaningful position at camp and worked my hardest even while ensuring I had fun with my friends and work colleagues. I made some of my fondest memories in those days. During my tenure at Camp Wabana and Jackson's Point Camps, as they were called, I was learning about the pain and suffering that children and youth from all walks of life endure 
as they lose their innocence through life circumstances and due to no fault of their own. While working as a camp counselor or a cabin leader for little ones ranging from age 6 to 12, I got convinced that I wanted a career as a child and youth worker to which I am currently pursuing and have been professionally for over 10 years. I cannot adequately explain the lessons I learned from this from those days, sorry, as they helped shape the man I am today, but I will try to incorporate these life lessons as we get to know each other and read on the scriptures as it is written. One of such lessons came about unexpectedly as I had begun on a real quest of understanding who God is along with what it meant to be a Christian. You see, after leaving Wabana, I decided to enroll to Camp Rainbow, which hosted the youths that no longer qualified to attend Camp Wabana as the cutoff age was 12 years old. Camp Rainbow was therefore the older, wilder, rugged big sister to Camp Wabana and hosted boys and girls between the ages of 12 and 18. As everyone reading or hearing this would agree, teenage years are some of the most confusing and challenging stages of human life. They are the years we, we aim to discover who we are and strive to find our place in our complex world. Different group identities such as the gangsters or the emos, goths, nerds, and so on and so forth get formed and end up influencing most of us well into adulthood. Many habits are formed during this stage in life for good or for worse. The theory of nature versus nurture is best viewed from childhood into teenagehood as these are fundamental years of growth. Because one of the expectations of those working at camp was for the staff to have some knowledge and acceptance of biblical accounts as these were Christian camps, I was somewhat forced to have the knowledge of God in my forethoughts as I carried on my life. My life at camp did not always match the, the one outside the camping season as we were somewhat sheltered from all the normal temptations that happened when we reintegrated back into the mainstream society which was contrary and at times hostile towards Christian lifestyles as it is written. Succumbing to temptations is much easier when God is not the focal point of every aspect of our camping days. From silent reflections to addressing our campers' deepest, darkest fears, we aimed to answer campers' questions with all honesty according to what is written in the scriptures. This is by no means an easy task, as our youth are scientifically indoctrinated since early in life by shows such as Bill Nye, The Science Guy, and the rest. Let me state here that I have no problem with Bill and actually find him very well versed in some aspects of science inquiry and the guy is quite funny and easily relatable. What I am saying is, is that if science doctrines interfere with the faith of belief in God, then it is overstepping its bounds as science reveals God's handiwork in nature. 
I have fond memories of all-nighter debates that my campers and I would have as they asked all the tough questions and at times was not only left stumped by their knowledge of science but would also be inspired to go search out the reasons I believed in what I believe in and not simply have blind faith. <laughs> you see, the belief in God is not certainly uh, it's certainly not based on blind faith. It is indeed evidence-based. It was during that season of my life when I personally experienced what I am now going to share. During the one-week stay at camp that campers were housed in 100-year-old buildings known as the lodge and the nest, staff and campers from each cabin would pack up some supplies in order to embark on a two-night, three-day wilderness canoe trip around Lake Victoria as well as Lake McNiven. One of my campers and, and I paddled to our campsite named Scottos Cove after our beloved camp staff on one such outtrip. This campsite was not located far from the main lodging quarters, maybe just a 45 minute to an hour canoe paddle. This particular camper we will name Darren and I struck up a conversation as I asked him how is it that he kept returning to camp but had never really taken the claims of the Bible seriously. Darren went on to inform me that a whole bunch of bad stuff started happening to him when he believed and so he gave up on, on the faith. It concerned me that this was Darren's last time of being allowed back to camp after many years of attendance as he was almost 18 years old. As we drew nearer to our campsite, I informed Darren that I wanted to continue that conversation at a later time in the evening. Maybe it was the stunning beauty of that place or the transparency and real nature of the stuff that allowed for profound vulnerability at the camp as it always seemed as though we could talk about anything, especially regarding our deepest questions. Every question these young people raised along with each uh, concern, sorry, had to be addressed with the utmost respect and dignity plus honesty. Our camp leaders created a culture on which each child and youth was viewed as precious, priceless, with inherent value bestowed upon them not by their parents, peers, governments, or religious affiliations, but by God himself who created them in his own image. The faith of a young child should be used by adults in order to, to gauge the status or roots of their beliefs. Upon arriving at our campsite, we all disembarked on canoes, collected our luggage, and safely stowed away our canoes. We then proceeded to set up our tents and prepare our living quarters for the next right, uh, night or two. The ones on dinner duty went to work as the rest of the campers and staff enjoyed the great outdoors in God's country. 
After dinner, some staff and campers would sit around a campfire for a time of devotions, while others may isolate as they engage in private conversations. As I wanted to continue my conversation with Darren, I found him in a rock. Uh, I found I found him out uh, at a rock outcrop, sorry, that was by the lake's edge, and gave an excellent view of the lake and the clearing above, the perfect spot for stargazing. So, what happened when you started to believe in God? I inquired. Well, Darren answered. When I started believing in God, a bunch of bad stuff started happening to my family. My parents split up, my sister told me I was incapable of love, and my mother started growing pot in our basement. It just seemed like all that stuff started when I decided to believe in God, Darren disclosed. My heart was broken, and I was empathetic towards Darren and his family. Moved by compassion and without any thought, I asked, Darren, I'm really sorry about what happened to your family. Tell me, what would you want God to do for you so you may believe in him 100%? Well, Darren joked, if it rained in the next 15 minutes, then I would absolutely 100% believe in God. Darren said this as this night was one of the clearest, cloudiest nights of that season, and the stars seemed so close that you could reach out your hand and touch them. Okay then. It felt as if my mouth was speaking on its own and was about to commit me into something that if I had taken a moment to think about, I would have convinced myself against saying anything. If it is rain that you seek, so you may believe in God, then rain you shall receive. Let's pray. Please remove your hats, I continued, and we will pray. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I have come to read a lot about you in the pages of the Bible. I've read that you answered and provided so many miraculous occurrences over the years and the request we have for you tonight is really nothing. Behold, one of your children has asked for some rain and in the next 15 minutes in order for him to believe in you. Could you please send rain in your name? Amen. Amen replied all those that were present at the time, and those who had taken off their hats put them back on their heads. Darren asked, What if it doesn't rain? And again, out of my mouth came, It is not going to be, It's not going to rain, because it will rain. I have no idea where this absolute confidence came from, but as we sat in a bit of an awkward silence, we shortly dispersed as we finished clearing up the campground for the evening. I retired to my tent that I shared with another camp staff and resumed reading a book a good friend had lent me, The Case for Christ, by Arthur Lee Strobel, who was an atheist journalist who wanted to disprove by getting proof 
the claims of Christianity, and on his journey, he found faith. No sooner was I about to fall asleep, having completely forgotten and put out of my mind the events of that day, did I hear, tut, 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 the sound of raindrops on my tent. Before I fully realized what was happening, Darren, along with some of the other campers who had sat with us on the rocks at the lake's edge while stargazing, were violently shaking my tent while Darren kept screaming, You guys are freaks! You guys are freaks! How did you do that? As I whispered a prayer of thanksgiving to my Heavenly Father, I joined Darren outside and we had a quick debrief as he confessed that from that moment on, he believed in God. We all then finished clearing up the rest of camp and retired to bed. As fate would have it, we had a torrential downpour that evening after it had stopped after a few droplets as if to not only give us a chance to finish clearing up our campsite but to also leave absolutely no doubt in any of us of what had happened that evening. This would be the best place to end my miraculous experience but that would not be the right ending. We enjoyed the rest of our stay, and soon after it was time for us to again tear down camp, pack our belongings, and embark on our journey back to the main campsite. The last evenings at camp were always emotionally charged, as the reality of the camper's departure from this paradise, along with life's raw reality back home, set in. Many campers were returning home to absolutely heartbreaking realities and so wanted to spend every last minute at camp simply being kids as per one of our camp's main focus which was allowing children and youth a stress-free week where they could simply be themselves as they played, ate, canoed, kayaked, enjoyed beautiful nights around campfires or stargazing and could let all their guards down. Indeed, when properly structured, wilderness camps have the potential to impact young people's lives in the most profound and positive of ways. No one could stop Darren and his buddies from running around the entire camp sharing with everyone what had happened, whether they chose to listen or not. By nightfall, the entire camp had learned of what had happened. Uh, occurred at Skaros Cove and then one of the camp leaders came to me and not sure if she was joking said to me Salty which is my camp name you had checked the weather radar and knew that it was going to rain right? just like that doubt I'm not too sure if she had spoken to anyone else, but her words not only surprised me, but also made me for a split second second guess what had just happened and the story was still circling around the camp. Of course I didn't check any weather radar. During those days, not only was there a shortage of cell phones, but there was no Wi-Fi and no cell phone reception. Some of us didn't even know of something named data. I had no way of checking for the weather even if I wanted to. Also, as many of those closest to me know, 
I can go months without electronic gadgets. With or without her awareness, one of my leaders had planted doubt on my mind as well as in all those who had heard her at the time. Really? Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit in the garden? Instant doubt. I have no idea why this cunning serpent, who obviously represents someone else or is being possessed by someone else, was in the Garden of Eden in the first place. Also, why is this animal speaking? Did Adam and Eve have some sort of Dr. Doolittle ability to communicate with animals? Why was Eve speaking to such a character anyway? We will further understand everything as it is written as we are withholding our own judgments and biases until God completely presents his case as it is written. The main take-home point here is that we had read on some of the instructions given to Adam regarding being Lord of over all creation as well as tending the garden. Adam was also given a single warning not to eat of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This situation should have never happened and maybe there is an, altern an, an alternate world sorry, where it does not. Temptation, however, serves to bring forth what is laying deep inside each of us as it is written. Has this always been the case? If not, what caused it to begin? What a predicament! Eve was innocently minding her own business when approached by the serpent. There is nothing extraordinary or unusual about the conversation these two are having other than the simple fact that we do not know of anyone who could hold a conversation as you and I are with animals. However, it doesn't seem surprising to either Eve nor the serpent that they were having a conversation. Adam is in close proximity to Eve and the serpent, but we will find out more about his reaction as we read along in the scriptures. Do you find this part of a story odd? Are you able to stick with the story as it is written and as we continue our journey of discovery? I pray for divine wisdom and revelation from God's Holy Spirit as we dissect this most important part of our human history as it pertains to each of us. May we see and hear what we are supposed to in order for each of us to self-examine and then act according to the greatest standards of love. Until next time, please know your worth as it is written and also know that I love you, but God loves you infinitely more. Be blessed.